Hey, family. Thank you for tuning in to today's podcast. We work incredibly hard to identify guests who will help you move forward on your healing journey. So if you are blessed by today's episode, I would love for you to take a moment to subscribe and leave a five-star review. This will help us to reach more people and get this important message of healing out to the world. Thank you in advance for your support and enjoy today's episode. Hey family, it's your sister Jocelyn, and I want to welcome you to another episode of Faith on the Journey. If you are joining us for the first time, we are here to support you in so many ways. We're here to strengthen your faith, heal your heart, and help you to discover a sense of community. And we do this by providing a weekly broadcast to you through podcasts, YouTube, and Facebook. We also provide trauma healing groups where they're essentially Bible studies that help you to heal from trauma. And in addition to that, we have Christian counselors who specialize in Bible-based trauma-informed care and grief counseling who are ready to support you. And so you can learn about all these services and so much more by visiting faithonthejourney.org. Again, that is faithonthejourney.org. Now, today, I'm extremely excited about the topic at hand uh, because we're talking about what it is like to be single and the grief that you can experience with that. And I know when you said you hear me say grief, you might be like, grief, what? But just stay tuned because it's going to make sense. And I have the perfect person to join me for this conversation. She is a trailblazer in this space. And I also have the pleasure of working with her as an elder for the Michelle McKinney Hammonds ministry. And that's how we connected. And she's doing great work in the ministry and outside of the ministry for the kingdom of God. Her bio is like two pages long. So I'm just going to give you a little bit of the information about this amazing woman. Mary R. Dittman, she is an instructor of marketing and director of business internship program at Francis Marion University. Uh, she is an award-winning academic writer, and she just published her first book, and I'm saying first book because I know it's not going to be her last, in 2019 called How to Be Happy When You're Single. I wish I had this book several years ago. Uh, she's also the founder of Wonderful Life, a podcast, and is also a company, the name of her company. And so you're going to learn more about that in just a minute, but help me to welcome this wonderful woman of God, Mary Dittman. Hey, Jocelyn, I'm so excited to be here with you and all of your listeners. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Thank you for being here, Mary. Getting to know a little bit more about your story. I heard you speak before and I was like, I have to have her on my show. And I would love for you to share just a little bit about your story, your background, and what led you to do the work that you you're doing today. So let's just give the background first. Let's start there. I have always wanted to be married and have a family. And the only reason I really wanted those things was because for me, part of a fulfilled life includes being a wife and a mother, but I'm well over 40. That has never happened for me. And that was always a real sense of sadness for me in my life. And one year I was at the Thanksgiving table with my brother. We were the only two at the table Everyone else had gone off and I was moping and he asked me, you know, what's wrong, sis? And I went through my well-rehearsed litany of I'm single and it's another holiday and I'm alone. And, and he had just gotten engaged. So, you know, that I was really in my feelings. And he looked at me and he said something that really just hit me in my spirit. And I will never forget it because it was the impetus to start Wonderful Life. He looked at me and he said, sis... At some point, you're going to have to make peace with this because it might not change. 
I hope it changes, but it might not. And that really hit me. Now, I'd like to say that I immediately started to seek peace, but I didn't. I went through on and off several years and seasons of deciding that, well, you know what, I, I just can't be happy if I'm going to be single. And many of my friends would tell me, well, if if you're not happy single, you won't be happy married. But to me, it was what's called a tangled hierarchy because I was saying, well, if I have to be happy in order to find a relationship, but without the relationship, I'm not able to be happy. I'm just faking it. And finally, I got to the point where I said, you know what? I just need to accept that I'll probably never really be happy and I just need to make it through life. But, you know, and I, th I think God will let you stay in the belly of the whale as long as you want to. Jonah stayed there for three days. Uh, my stay was probably closer to three years. But Jonah said something when he was in the belly of the well, and he said, I've come to understand that people who chase after worthless idols forfeit God's grace that could have been theirs. And in John 10, 10, Jesus said, I came that you would have life and have it in full and in abundance until it overflows. And that state of just making it through until I get called home to the Lord, that is not an abundant life. And I really got serious about, I want to be happy. Even if my singleness doesn't change, I want to be happy. I want to feel contentment and I want to have peace. And I know that Paul tells us I've learned the secret to contentment. So I knew it was something I could learn. And then that's what began my real journey of wonderful life. And I know I'm not alone. There are so many women over the age of 40. Maybe they're single or they're single again and they desire a relationship, but it's just not happening. My focus now is to really encourage them and support them in how can you have a full life, a life that you're in love with, where you are happy and you are living in God's peace and God's joy? Because that's in that state, that's where you're attractive. So people will be attracted to you. But frankly, even if your Mr. Right doesn't show up, you're happy anyway. And that's what you wanted the whole time. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I know we only have so much time in this broadcast to talk about your process, but I'm sure it was so much work in between for you to get to that point. And I would love for you to talk about some of the other nuances involved in you reaching this point of being able to find happiness and peace within yourself. I could distill it down to just a few points. And you're right, it is a it's a very long process. And it's something that took me a very long time, but I can distill it down. And I would say the first step was I really had to get real about my situation. I had to really accept the reality, which was, I want a relationship and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with desiring a, a relationship, a godly relationship. In the same way that we desire financial prosperity or health. And I had to say to myself, there's nothing wrong with wanting this but I'm also not being punished because I don't have it. And that was probably the first step. And then the second step was how do I create and build a life that I'm in love with? Like I'm in love with my life. And what I did was I made a list of all of the things that I enjoy doing. And for me, it was things like I enjoy going to the opera, the symphony, community theater, but I also enjoy going to sports. I enjoy 
my yoga practice, my meditation practice. I love creating and ministering for wonderful life. I love to read. I love to go to the movies. So I just, I was writing down all these things. And when I looked at my list, I realized nothing on my list required me to have a partner. Now, yes, would I prefer to maybe go to a movie with a, a boyfriend or a husband? Sure. But I can go to the movies just fine. And I started to realize that I could have a joyful, fulfilled, flourishing life without that partner. And then number three, I had to really commit. I had to really get very clear and focused about, I am going to have the life that Jesus died to give me. He didn't die so that I could just, you know, trudge on through until he calls me home. He died so that I could have a full life. And I, I would say another small, new, well, maybe not too small nuance was I, I had to take responsibility for where I currently was. And I had spent a lot of time blaming other people for why I was still single, blaming God. I was mad at God. Well, you know, he's making me stay single. And I had to really get very honest with myself and see that a lot of my current state was due to my own choices. Mm, mm. I was behind the scenes like, mm. <laughs> that's a tough pill to swallow. <laughs> so, so for you, how did you make that discovery? Was it just like a moment where you were praying and God showed that to you? What happened for you to realize that? Well, when you say moment, if if we could say moment could be years. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. It was a moment in the span of eternity probably would be a moment. But that's why I'm so excited about Wonderful Life because, I mean, I bought all the books. I bought all the programs. I was in therapy for years and years and years. And I got to the point with two different therapists where I said, I'm here to figure out what is wrong with me. Why can't I have a, a successful relationship? Something is wrong with me. I'm broken and I'm going to pay you to figure out what it is. So, I mean, I spent a lot of time and a lot of money, but in the process of working with the Lord and of course, working with different counselors and being willing to journal, I'm a huge fan of journaling, being willing to take the, my questions to God in prayer and then listen in meditation and receive that healing. Because in the past, I would hide. I would hide and work. And I would work and work and work and work until I was so tired that then I wouldn't feel lonely because I was just too tired. And that was hiding. And it's not healthy. So it was working with the Lord and letting him guide me on the path for healing. But I want to be clear that I don't feel that this is a unique path just for me. And that's why I, I teach these things for Wonderful Life, because these things that I've learned are accessible to everybody. And, and I've had married women who have latched on to Wonderful Life and they enjoy it too. Now, I, my primary audience is single women over 40, but you know, the love of God heals everybody. The love of God does heal everyone. And, and that's something that I don't care if you're single, man, woman, whatever, uh, we need you to, to know that. And I appreciate what you're doing in this work. I remember talking to you the other week as I was inviting you to be on the show. And one thing that I think is important to bring forward into this conversation is this concept of grief and loss that you can experience while single. This is an area that our company actually specializes in helping people who are experiencing grief and loss. Uh, but I think 
many people would never think that they're experiencing it because they're single. And so I would love for you to spend some time talking about that. Well, it's interesting that you say it like that because I never would have thought of it either. But my father sent me an article from the Pepperdine University Alumni Magazine a few years ago. And it was about, I believe it was titled The Ambiguous Loss of being single. And what the what the research and what the article was saying was singles experience a sense of loss, not necessarily because of losing a relationship, although that's certainly a form of loss, more the, the loss of, I have this dream for my life, I have this desire, I would like a relationship and or a family, and it's continually not happening for me. So I'm constantly having to grieve the death of my dream. And the way I wrote a blog based on this article, and I titled the blog, One Foot in Hope and One Foot in Despair. Because while you're despairing and you're saying, I guess I need, do I need to just let this go? It may never happen for me. I need to make peace with that. But then you have a foot in hope, which says, yeah, but I could meet my Boaz at any time. And then, of course, people will tell you that too. Like, well, when you stop looking, you'll find him, which you know, may not be true, but that's the ambiguous loss. So you're constantly grieving and then constantly feeling like, but maybe I still have hope. And for me, and I think other people as well, a little bit of a feeling of guilt of if I feel like I'm grieving and you know, I don't have enough faith or I'm not trusting God enough or I, I want this too much. And so then I'm I'm in a faith crisis because I feel like I'm letting God down and so maybe I just need to figure out how to be happy without this, but I really want it. It could still happen. So that's the ambiguous loss. And when when I talk with other singles about this, they have the same reaction I did, which was, oh my gosh, yeah, that is totally what I feel. Then of course we have the loss of, you know, like I've never been married, so I've never been divorced, but I know what it feels like to have my heart broken a lot of times. Yeah. Yeah. I just felt that. <laughs> you said a lot. I, I understand that heartbreak is heartbreak. <laughs> yes. Mm -hmm. Whether it's maybe you were married for 25 years and you went through a divorce or the death of your spouse or the spouse left, whatever, it doesn't matter. It's still loss. So you might be grieving a relationship of 25 years or you might grieve 25 relationships that ended every year. And as you get older, you would think that you would develop more resilience in, hey, I'm getting older and I've been, I've had my heart broken enough times that, you know, I can get over this pretty quickly. But that's actually not true. It's actually harder the older you get because you're more aware that I'm running out of time and I, maybe I have more weight on the possibility of this working out than I did in my 20s. Yes. Yeah. It's a pressure type piece. Yeah. Yeah. And I appreciate you also talking about like the feelings that are associated with like, what's wrong with me and, and it being my fault. There was so much involved in what you described. And it's really hard to process and to get to a point where your mind is not in this place of turmoil is the only way I know how to describe it. So it's like, first of all, how do you work through um, the grief, which I think grief is natural. I think grief is a natural experience. It is natural anytime you lose something. And for for you in this case, it's the, it might be the loss of a dream to be married. Uh, maybe it's something where you're, you're to the point where you're too old to have kids. That is real loss. And that, that needs a space to be grieved. But 
I think there's other things that lie underneath that that needs to be worked through when you kind of talk about what's wrong with me and, and, you know, the mistakes that you have made and all this other stuff that could be tormenting you. And so I, I'm curious as to your process of really renewing your mind and getting these thoughts captive and then healing from the grief that you experienced. And you talked about it already to some extent, but is there anything else that you want to add to it? Yes. And I'll leave it to you. This is your show. We've talked privately. I went through the death of my stepmother and she and I were very close. She died suddenly and unexpectedly. And I went through extreme grief in her death. And there were just a lot of things that were going on there, but I really learned a lot about the grieving process and what it looks like to grieve in a healthy way. And I had examples around me of what grieving in an unhealthy way looked like. But my therapist at the time had told me the grieving process, you know, give or take, if you're really going through it in a healthy way, you can anticipate it taking about two years. So I knew I was in for a marathon, not a sprint. And I knew that I wanted to get to the other side. And it's the same in the grief of not having the relationship and not being able to have children. I watched one of my girlfriends when she started menopause, we, she said, I went to my doctor and he told me, you know, I'm done. I'm not, I'm never going to have a baby now. And she started to tear up. And then she said, but it's fine. It's fine. You know, the Lord has a plan for me. It's fine. And it was like, she just, I watched her just stuff it down. And we have to give voice to those emotions. We have to get them out in a healthy way. I also like what you said about how do we renew our minds? And the Bible doesn't say that it's a one-time thing. I mean, it's not like, you know, I can't go to the gym one time or even for a year and get myself where I want to be like, "Ah, ah, okay, good. I don't ever have to go to the gym again. Okay. You're like, you don't get your house all cleaned up and say, great, praise the Lord. I never have to run the vacuum again. It's a process. And we're told in the word that it's a continual transformation. We have to take every thought captive. And that does mean we will have days where we think maybe there really is something wrong with me. And for me, I feel that the victory is not getting to the place where you never have a thought of defeat. It's can you shorten your bounce back time? So instead of spending six months there, could I spend maybe six hours? And then the next time I could spend four hours and to reduce that bounce back time and to give ourselves compassion and grace. And I also want to be clear because I know many of your audience is survivors of trauma. I want to be very clear on the comment that I made earlier about my choices bringing me to the place of singleness. When you're in a trauma experience where you did not have a choice, I want to be very clear. We don't always have a choice. However, nothing, nothing takes God by surprise. And I remember when my stepmom died, I was talking to two of my sisters in Christ. They were my Bible study leaders. They were older than I. And and just saying to them, I just don't see how anything good can come from this. And one of them, her son had been killed at 16 by a drunk driver. And the other one had lost both of her parents. And they just looked at me with such love and compassion. And they said, we know you can't believe this right now, but if you could just trust us because we've been here, God can bring something good out of this. Don't try to figure out what that's going to be right now. Just 
trust us and hold on to the fact that something good can come from it. And I thought, well, they know more than I do. And they, you know, I, at the time I felt like, well, they're probably closer to Jesus than I am. So I'll just hold on. And, you know, maybe, and I, especially my friend who lost her 16 year old son, I thought she must know something about this. And I did find that that was true, that if we are willing to work with the Lord, and if we are willing to see the good, now I don't believe, I, one of the sayings that I really dislike is everything happens for a reason. And I, I don't like that wording. To me, that feels like God made something happen because, you know, he wants you to go through this experience. And I, I don't, I don't, necessarily believe that. However, I believe God can use anything if we will partner with him in our own healing. I was speaking with someone last week and she had gone through like she had cancer at 33 and then her husband cheated on her and it was just a, just a huge mess. Now she's remarried. I thought this this story can't even be real. She was so healed and happy and whole. And then a few weeks ago, I was talking to a gentleman and he was talking about his ex-wife and she was terrible and she left him. And, and I, I was like, when, when did this happen? Oh, 20 years ago. <laughs> and he was, he was still in that place of trauma. And I do think that we have some choice about how long are we going to stay somewhere? Now, again, I'm not saying it's an easy process and it's not an instant process. And I am, as I've said before, I'm a huge believer, especially if you have experienced trauma, you probably cannot navigate that alone. You are going to need professional help. Absolutely. But you don't want to stay in the trauma back there for 25 years. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. I think there is that balance of compassion which is what you're 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 speaking right now like i see i know that it wasn't your fault you had no control over that abuse that you might have experienced but there's a sense of agency that we also want to extend to those who've experienced trauma your survivor of trauma trauma is not your last name it does not have to control you your entire life and because we're believers we also know that healing from trauma is possible and so um, I love the the balance that you're bringing to this conversation around that and, and offering individuals hope that, you know, if you might have experienced and been feeling stuck for 25 years. You might be just that guy that you were describing, but today's a new day and you can make a decision to begin your trauma healing journey, right? We can always start again. That is the promise of the Lord. That's the promise of a relationship with Jesus is that we can become a new creature in Christ. Now, when we have that relationship, the Lord already sees us as that new creature, but we have to walk it out. We have to walk out that, that faith and we have to get to the place where we can see ourselves as a whole healthy, complete person. And again, it's not about, you don't get to the point where you say, okay, great. I never have a bad day anymore, but it's about getting to the place where you say, okay, I, I'm having a difficult day with this, or I have some memories that are coming up and it's okay to say, you know what, I'm going to have a day maybe, or half a day where I'm bothered by this experience that I'm in now, or that I had. And it's okay to say, I don't want to stay here, but I'm here right now. Let's work through it and not just shove it away. Let's work through it. It's kind of like with your car, you know, you might get your car worked on and then maybe you have to take it back just for a little adjustment. Like I have new tires on my car right now, but it might, it might happen in a couple of weeks. I might need to go back and have them adjust the air in the tire. You know, it doesn't mean that 
my tires aren't working. It just means that sometimes we just we just need a little tune up. And the good thing is that we have the guidance of the Holy Spirit constantly. But I do feel that's why daily consistent time with the Lord is so critical. It's so critical. Even if you can only do five minutes, something, we've got to have intentional, focused time with the Lord. Absolutely. You can't do without it. That's the foundation of this. And I, I often say, God gives us resources to help us to heal. We have counselors, we have people in our church, individuals who walk with us, but healing comes from God. And, and sometimes we're searching all over the place, um, thinking that the tools that God gave us that are good are does the end all be all. But we're forgetting about God's like, I'm here. <laughs> I've been waiting. I got this, the innermost parts that no man could ever show you that I can really work on and heal you of those things. Right. And so we, we can't forego that. Well, and I, the way I've heard it said, and maybe you've heard this too, is psychology reveals, but God heals. Mm -hmm. Psychology reveals, but God heals. And I believe the Holy Spirit can come into our spirit and our soul and can rewire those places where our wiring is messed up, either because we were born in a certain, you know, we just, I think some of us just are born with some things we're going to have to work out. You know, God gives us each inherent with, uh, weaknesses so that we will rely on him. Maybe that wiring got messed up through something in your childhood. I did not have an abusive childhood. Thank God, I'm, I'm grateful to say, but you know, I put myself in plenty of abusive situations as an adult. Uh, so, you know, eventually everybody gets something that is going to impact you. And I do think that a mistake we make, and well, let me just speak for myself, a mistake that I've made, and I think many people can relate to this, is we think I'll somehow get to the place in my faith journey where I won't have any more hurt, I won't experience bad things, and everything will be fine. And then when things happen, we think, oh, it's because I didn't have enough faith. But Jesus never said that. In fact, there is no valid spiritual path on the planet that tells you you can get to a place where you can bypass all difficulty and all suffering. There's no place like that. And Jesus said, in the world, you're going to have trouble. He also said, by the way, the world hates me. It's going to hate you too. I was dealing with some haters recently and I read that and went, oh, okay. Not everybody's going to love me all the time. No, Jesus said, guess what? You're in for some hatred. You're in for some unfair things. And, and being, in a, being in a rich spiritual life does not mean that people never say anything about you that is unkind or untrue. It means that you can get to the place where you say, okay, that, that I didn't like that. Maybe that hurt, but I see myself in my identity with Christ and that I am healing. I'm healed. Yes. That's key. And that's, it's really, it takes so much work to spiritually mature to that point because we're human. And, you know, I'll speak for myself, use I language. You want people to like you, <laughs> you know, you like, especially when your intentions are good, you know, so it is difficult to get to that point. But I appreciate what you talk about in terms of even the bounce back time 
that you spoke of earlier saying, Ooh, that hurt. I'm not going to be out for the rest of the week because this hurt me. Um, and going back to what you do know about your identity, that's not based on the opinions of others, but it's based on who God says you are, that you're chosen, that you're loved, that you're the apple of his eye. Those are the things that we're grounded in because this world is messed up. It's jacked up. People going to say all type of stuff about you. So if you base your identity on that, you are going to be in a heap of trouble. <laughs> but knowing who you really are, that's what really makes a difference here. And I also want to go back to something you said earlier that has been a theme in your conversation around acknowledging your emotions without judgment. Sometimes we're so judgmental about the fact that I'm feeling sad right now, or I'm experiencing the grief of what we were just discussing earlier, whatever those emotions might be, sometimes we automatically look at it as a negative thing when it really, if we look at it as a sign that there's something there that needs to be explored and not necessarily beat ourselves up and condemn ourselves for feeling that emotion, it'll maybe help us to not just push it down so quickly, but make us curious as to what is really being said from that emotion. What's your thoughts on that, Mary? Uh, well, it's interesting because I struggled for a very long time with my emotions and some of it was a little bit how I was raised, but a lot of it also was just from my own experiences as an adult. So I would just deny my feelings. And I got to the point where I could not identify my own feelings. I just did not know how I felt. And I had to really work with the Lord to receive healing there. And the, the way that he had me do that was to start being honest with myself in my journaling, because that's where I could be safe. And I see emotions as sort of like the indicator light on the dashboard of your car. Like if the oil light comes on, it doesn't mean you need a whole new car, but it means you have a problem in this one part. And emotions are giving us signals as you said a minute ago, they're, they're telling us something isn't right. Jesus got angry. Paul said, in your anger, do not sin. Well, actually, I think that's in the Psalms. In your anger, do not sin. So it doesn't say don't ever be angry, but it says, in your anger, do not sin. God gets angry. God gets jealous. And we can honor our feelings in terms of identifying them and saying, I'm sad, or I'm lonely, or I'm angry, I'm jealous. I'm jealous because my friend just got engaged and I'm still single. I'm angry because of what so-and-so just said to me. We need to honor those feelings to identify them. And then, now, I, and I just had something happen last week that made me very angry. And I'm having to work on forgiveness. And even this morning, as I was having my prayer time with the Lord, I said, Lord, I know I need to pray for this person. And I don't want to. And I don't want them to be happy. And I don't want them to be blessed, but I want to be free and I want to be happy. Therefore, I choose forgiveness. And then so you can't go from I'm really angry to praise the Lord. I love you. That's called spiritual bypassing where you just say, you know, like if, if someone says says to you, uh, you know, oh, I'm, I'm really having a hard time because my mom, my mom just passed away and you go, oh, well, praise the Lord. She's in a better place. You know, like that doesn't help people. That's hurtful. But what I was able to say to the Lord with integrity was, Lord, I want to forgive. I want to let this go. I want to be happy more than I want to be right. And so I'm going to pray that I will treat this person with love and compassion. And I pray that you give them what they need to be successful. And I was like, okay, I can get behind that prayer because sometimes what God gives us in order to be successful is some hard knocks and some lessons. Not really my business how that happens, but it's okay 
to go to the Lord in honesty and say, I'm angry, or I feel like I'm being treated unfairly. And a lot of times we feel shame. I shouldn't, I shouldn't feel this way. It's not spiritual. Well, that's just not true. Now there's a difference between I feel a certain way and I'm going to take action in it. That's what the word of God is telling us in your anger. Do not sin. Do not go to bed angry. So you might have those emotions. You want to be very careful about actions that you take from those emotions because they're almost never going to be helpful. You're right. <laughs> You're right about that. I, I think about the times in which I acted out of anger. Even I'll, I'll use a smaller example of you're at the workplace. Someone just makes you so mad. You're ticked off and you're typing this furious email and end up pushing send and you look back later like, oh, I probably should have said that. <laughs> but the anger, the emotion overtakes you. And I think what you said is the perfect word in terms of honoring the emotion, because you could have been done wrong in that situation. Someone in the workplace or in your personal life could have done you wrong, right? And there is a righteous anger. I, I'm, I appreciate you bringing that up, that there's certain things that is honest. It's, it's a, a reflection of uh, injustice that took place. So there's a way, especially us being Christ followers, that God can show us how to respond in a way that is not sinful, even in our anger. Um, and exploring that because the anger, the emotion that we feel, anger can actually be used to galvanize you into righteous actions, right? I've seen many people who have allowed God to, to use a tragic event. And I, I want to pin what you said earlier about he wasn't the cause behind some certain tragedies around gun violence, right? I work with parents who experience that. That is tragic what they experienced. But the beauty in that, in the fact that they did allow God to use um, this tragedy to help others so they don't have to experience it by starting a nonprofit that fights uh, against illegal use of guns and helping to stop gun violence in the city of Chicago, where I'm from. That is using a righteous anger for good, right? And so that's the, the process I think you're kind of speaking to is being able to honor the emotions, being before God in that to to be real about the fact I'm angry, I'm hurt, I'm all of this. And, and God can handle all that. And then asking God to help you to respond to those emotions in a way that still um, gives him glory. And that that's not easy. <laughs> but that daily prayer that you talk about is, is what'll help us get there. Well, I had one time I had someone ask me, do you want to be right? Or do you want to be happy? And I used to feel like, well, I, I can only be happy if y'all know I'm right. And you admit that I'm right. That's how, but that's not realistic. And you know, we're, we're in a broken, sinful wor world and the word tells us it's only going to get worse. I mean, listen, we want to take God about, we, we've taken God out of all the schools, out of all the courtrooms, out of all the classrooms. We don't want to say the word God and the pledge of allegiance. You know, we have all these, like nobody should be talking. Well, let's just erase God. And then when something tragic happens, we wonder, well, where was God? Well, he's exactly where we put him, which is in a box over there for Christians who want to take him out on a Sunday morning. And we are in a sinful, broken world, and we are going to have to deal with a lot of things that are unfair, they're unjust, they're hurtful, And but that's nothing new. I mean, when you look at some of the, the Bible heroes that we cling to, like Joseph and David, uh, Jesus, Paul, that went through extreme rejection and betrayal by their own families and people that said that they loved them. So we need to we need to 
understand that that's that's not going to go away. We don't get a pass because we're Christians. But I want to touch on the, the topic of forgiveness, if I could just briefly. In the Hebrew, the original word for forgiveness means I've wiped out a debt. So it would be as if Jocelyn owed me $500. And when I forgive that, then I cancel that debt. Now, here's the thing. I can't then remind her like, hey, Jocelyn, remember how I let you off the hook on that 500 bucks? Hey, remember how I forgave that $500? That you don't owe me anymore, but you did owe me for like five years, but I let it go. Like that's not forgiveness. Forgiveness is it's gone. When we get to the point where we can say, you don't owe me anything. And that's hard. Like the, the situation I'm dealing with right now, I had a student who was flat out disrespectful to my face and I feel that this person owes me an apology and I talked with them and they made it very clear they're not apologizing for anything. And yeah, I do feel like, you know what, you owe me an apology. But forgiveness says I have to let that go. I have to let it go. The hope that you're going to do things differently. Now, forgiveness is not reconciliation. And that's another thing we get hung up on in the Christian community with forgiveness. We think if I've forgiven you, number one, I'm saying what you did was okay. And number two, I'm saying that we will be in relationship again. No, absolutely not. Forgiveness means I'm going to let that go for my healing and my sake, that there is nothing you can do that is going to bring me healing because the damage is already done. And now only the Lord can bring that healing for me. And I may not be available anymore for a relationship with you. Yeah. Yeah. That's tough. I mean, and I do think that sometimes people equate forgiveness and reconciliation as synonymous. I mean, forgiveness can lead to reconciliation. And, and yes, sometimes the person who caused the harm can come to you and apologize and attempt to reconcile. But this is something where I think we have to be prayerful in those situations. God will if we come to him, let us know, you know what? Yes, forgive that individual. But at this point, that season has has ended in that in the life of, of that relationship that is. And so seeking God about how to move forward in that reconciliation process or that forgiveness process, excuse me, is, is very important to do. And so I appreciate you talking about that dynamic. I think we've we touched on so many things throughout this podcast. We started talking about uh, singleness, grief, and forgiveness, but it's all good because this, these are real issues that we experience on this journey called life. And we, we have to be you know honest about the process of working through those. But uh, since we're almost running at the end of time. I don't know how that happened so fast. I, I would love for you to talk a little bit more about your book and the work that you're doing now in this, this space. Well, I would encourage people to visit me at maryditman.com. You can connect with me on my social media. Also, I do have a book that's available on Amazon. It's called How to Be Happy When You're Single and You Don't Want to Be Single. It's available as a paperback if you're old-fashioned like I am and you like a a book or an ebook, of course, but I have a lot of good content. I have the Wonderful Life podcast. I do a show every week on Facebook that's available to the public. You don't even have to be a subscriber. It's just available. You can find that through my social media. I'm focused on ministering to single women who don't want to be single. And I have a lot of really good resources, especially around Valentine's Day and the holidays and heartbreak and dealing with loneliness. These are very real issues. 
as single women that that we need to deal with. And I've learned a lot over the years, and I've distilled that into content that can help other women. So I do want you to come and visit me on my website or social media. Let's connect. I always love to hear what single women are are going through, whether it's a victory or if it's a challenge. That's great. Yes, I really do hope that you connect with her uh, and just follow up on all those resources that are are there. We love to bring people like you, Mary, to the show to help people because we're all in different stages of your, of our lives. So some people might be struggling with singleness. Some might be married and want to be single. It's just it's a variety <laughs> of different walks that we're on. And so that's why I love to bring guests such as yourself who bring valuable Christ-centered resources to the fold of what we're doing. And so before I let you go, I, I always like to ask uh, our guests one question as it relates to uh, what we do here in our company's name. Our company is called Faith on the Journey. And um, of course, I have my reasons behind naming the company that, but I, I would love to hear from you. When you hear Faith on the Journey, what does that mean to you? When I hear the word journey, for some reason, I always think about a long trip. And I understand I could take a journey to Walmart across town, but I think of a long trip and I think about my faith being a constant companion that will help me enjoy the journey. And it's only through that faith that we can have the joy and the peace that are promised to us. But we have to use our faith to access those promises. We can't do it in our own strength. We can't do it with our friends. We can't do it with a spouse. It's us and God on the journey. And the way I connect with God is my faith. That's the key that unlocks all the promises. Amen. Beautiful, Mary. Thank you again for being on the show and blessing us today. Hopefully I'll be able to have you back on the show again soon. But until then, you keep doing the amazing work that you're doing through your ministry. Thank you for having me, Jocelyn. It was such an honor to be here with you and your audience. And I'd love to come back anytime. And I'm just, I'm so excited about the work that you're doing. I think that there are a lot of people in the world hurting right now. And I think that faith on the journey is part of the healing. So thank you. Thank you, Mary. And for you all who are tuning in today, I hope you are blessed just like I was from the discussion that we had today. And this should not be your last time joining us. I hope that you tune in every week. We come once a week with a new broadcast, a new episode to uh, help you on your healing journey. And you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Facebook, and YouTube. And I want you to subscribe, spread the word, share this episode with at least three friends. I know you know someone who needs this message. And then if you want to go above and beyond, leave a review for us. We're actually trying to spread the word as much as possible to get this message out here to help people to strengthen their faith, heal their heart, and discover a sense of community to see that they're not alone. Just like Mary was talking about, sometimes when you're single and you're going through certain things, you feel like you're alone and you don't have to be. We're here for you. So please check us out. Visit our website to find other free healing resources that are available for you. And that's it for this week. But I hope that you all stay blessed and you keep your faith on the journey. I'll see you soon. <music>